Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. First of all, sorry for my English. I am from Austria, and it isn't very easy for me to write or speak English. I had nothing to do with any kind of crypto animals ever, and I have never heard of most of them, especially not Mothman. That is, until May of 2017. I visited my aunt in Amesville, Ohio, which was my first visit of the United States, and I have to say I liked it. It was nice. On the fourth day of my stay there, I was hiking around because the nature in that area is really nice. There's also a nice forest in that area that I decided to walk through a little. It wasn't night. It wasn't dark. It was in the middle of day, and I was on my own when I noticed a funny smell. It smelled like there was a rotten animal somewhere around, but it also smelled like heated chocolate. Don't ask me. I know it sounds weird. I started looking around because the smell was so strong that I thought there must be something going on. I hid behind rocks when I heard some branches cracking north of me. I was afraid of bears, although I was told there are no bears in this area and I shouldn't be afraid. I still was. Couldn't help myself. 
Thirty seconds after I started hiding behind those stones, I saw some being. Kind of tall like myself, I thought, but I wasn't sure about it at first. I thought of a standing bear, because I saw that on TV several times, but the noises that animal made weren't bear-like at all. It sounded like air in a way, like someone would use a really big fan. I can't explain it better, thanks to the language barrier. Sorry, Lowell. That's all the noise it made, this occasional flapping. After I haven't seen and heard anything for five minutes, I decided to leave my hideout to walk away. After approximately 15 minutes of walking back the way I came from, I heard those flapping sounds again and immediately ducked. I sneaked behind the next best tree again. This time I saw the thing. It was around meters away from where I was and I couldn't quite believe what I saw. What I saw looked like a large dude, maybe seven feet tall, in a suit. He, or it was kind of furry and wore a cape or maybe wings of a sort, hard to say. The thing had antennas attached to its head and also appeared to wear some kind of night vision goggles, but it was day. It moved quite fast and stressed out. The cape occasionally made those flappy noises. It disappeared after ten seconds or so. When I told my aunt about it, she kinds laughed it off and told me that sounds like I was talking about the Mothman, a common legend in some areas. It was just today that I remembered the Mothman and looked it up. And what can I say? The thing absolutely looked like the Mothman. It could have been some guy, of course, but the question is, why would he walk around there, make those sounds and all? And what about the smells? Anyone else experienced stuff like that or knows what I'm talking about? As a park ranger, Sarah had heard plenty of stories about Bigfoot sightings in the area. She always dismissed them as nothing more than tall tales until one night when she had an encounter that she couldn't explain. Sarah was doing her rounds checking the trails and campsites when she heard a strange noise. It was a low guttural growl that made the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. She shone her flashlight around, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. Suddenly she heard a loud snap and turned to see a massive creature standing before her. It was a bipedal brown Bigfoot towering over her at nearly eight feet tall. Its eyes glowed in the beam of her flashlight, and she could see its powerful muscles rippling beneath its fur. Sarah tried to back away slowly, but the creature took a step forward, blocking her path. She could feel the fear creeping up inside her as the creature bared its teeth, growling menacingly. Just when Sarah thought she was done for, the creature suddenly turned and ran off into the forest. She stood there trembling and trying to catch her breath, wondering what had just happened. Over the next few days, Sarah couldn't shake the feeling that she was being watched. She heard strange noises and saw shadows moving in the trees. She even found large footprints in the dirt, confirming that what she had seen was real. Finally, she decided to do some research on Bigfoot sightings in the area. To her surprise, she found that there were dozens of reports of sightings, and even encounters like hers. Sarah continued her work as a park ranger, but she always kept her eyes and ears open for any signs of the mysterious creature. She knew that the forest held many secrets and that she had just scratched the surface of what lay hidden within its depths.
I'm a park ranger, and I've seen a lot of strange things in my time patrolling the forests and wilderness areas. But nothing prepared me for the night I helped a lost camper, only to hear his terrifying story of a Bigfoot attack. It was a dark and stormy night, and I'd been out on patrol when I came across a man stumbling through the woods. He was disoriented and lost, and I could see the fear in his eyes as he told me how he had wandered off the trail and become hopelessly lost. I helped the camper back to safety, and as we sat by the campfire, he told me his story. He said that he had been walking through the woods when he heard a strange noise. At first, he thought it was just a bear or some other wild animal, but then he saw it, a massive hairy creature that towered over him. The camper said that the creature had attacked him, its massive hands crushing his ribs and nearly choking the life out of him. But somehow he had managed to escape, running through the woods until he stumbled across my patrol. I was shocked and confused by the camper's story. Bigfoot was just a myth, or so I had always believed, but the look in his eyes told me that he believed every word he was saying. For days after that, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was out there in the woods, something that didn't belong in our world. I patrolled the area, looking for any sign of the creature the camper had described, but I found nothing. Eventually, I tried to put the camper's story out of my mind, chucking it up to a hallucination or a wild animal attack. But deep down, I knew that there was something out there in the woods, something that we couldn't explain or understand. And so I continued to patrol the forests, always on the lookout for any sign of the creature that the camper had described. Whether it was Bigfoot or some other unknown creature, I knew that we couldn't ignore the possibility that there were things out there in the woods that we still had yet to discover. I just got back from a week-long trip to Florida. My fiancé and I were visiting her parents who own a home in Boca Raton, and I was hoping to get a fishing trip in with her father Jim while I was there. The Everglades aren't too far from where they live, and her dad owned a small boat, and since he's retired, he spends a good deal of time taking it out on some of the local lakes. I ran the idea of fishing the glades past him, and he seemed to be just as excited as me. Despite being in the vicinity, he had actually never fished it. Well, a few days after we got there, we made arrangements and set out early in the morning, towing his boat behind us. It wasn't one of the boats from the movies, you know, with the big fans. It was a nice little 14-foot tracker, which was perfect for the narrow waterways. We're both kind of anti-technology YouTube videos and computer solitaire is the extent of our interest. Select fools, neither one of us brought a satellite GPS, and we both left our phones in the truck. Anyway, we got to the glades and got the boat in the water around nine. We planned to fish around, too, and then head back home and be there in time for dinner. We hadn't planned on getting lost. It was a blast at first. We saw a few alligators which I'd never seen in the wild. We stopped to fish a few times and even caught a few largemouths each. I guess around 1 p.m. when we figured we should start heading back in the direction we came, we were both adept at navigation and kept aware of when and where we had turned, but it didn't really help. We had seriously underestimated the labyrinth of channels and canals, and it didn't take us long to realize that we'd gotten lost in the maze of the Everglades. We weren't panicking yet. 
but by this time it was well past 2 p.m., and we couldn't tell if we'd made any progress or not. We had just come around the turn of yet another channel when I saw something bizarre. Something that had been standing along one of the banks dove into the water just as we made the turn. I only caught a glimpse of it, but it had been standing upright on two legs and had a green scaly complexion. I convinced myself that it was just an alligator and maybe the sun had caught it at a weird angle. Besides, we had bigger problems. The sun was getting low in the sky and we hadn't seen a single other person. We didn't have much water and we were still completely lost. I really regret thinking I was macho enough to not need a GPS. A few canals later, I happened to turn around and caught sight of something in the water right behind the boat. It looked like an alligator, but it was moving way too fast, and it was speeding directly towards me. I was in the back on the motor, and I gunned the throttle and surprised response. A bunch of things happened at once. Not expecting the sudden shift in speed, my soon-to-be father-in-law fell back against the side of the boat and tumbled into the water. At the same time, the creature that had been tailing us rose out of the water and lashed out toward me with a set of razor-sharp claws. When I say rose, I mean stood up on two legs like a human would. Gunning the engine is probably what saved me as the swipe fell short. I burst forward a few feet and got a good look at this thing. The water was around five feet deep there, and this thing was standing up the water line around its waist. It had a pair of thickly muscled arms, each sporting one of those clawed fists. At an almost decapitated me, greenish-black scales ran the length of it and then terminated in a flat head, jaw open, bearing two rows of serrated teeth. I saw Jim hit the water and immediately start splashing around. I knew he could swim, but being launched from a boat into alligator-infested waters is probably the kind of thing to cause you to panic. The only problem was that this thing was between me and Jim. I couldn't leave him, and I couldn't get around this thing. There was no room. I'm not saying I'm brave, because I certainly didn't feel courageous in the moment. But I turned the boat around quickly, twisted the throttle as far as I could, and charged. The bow of the boat lifted into the air. I couldn't see past it but I felt an impact, and the boat shuddered, almost tipping to the left. I let go of the throttle and pulled alongside the frantic Jim and grabbed his arm. I started hauling him in and looked back over my shoulder. The wake from the short burst was lapping against both sides of the channel, and thick rings of water flowing away from where I guessed the creature had been. It was nowhere in sight. I brought Jim into the boat and not too gently threw him to the deck plopped back down next to the motor and sped away up the channel. We didn't see the creature again. After a few hours, we eventually ran into a group of guys who led us back to the boat ramp. We were only about 20 minutes away and had pretty much been going in circles the whole time. We each had about a dozen missed calls from our wives. I think Jim was pretty upset with me, but eventually he came around and laughed it off. He had never actually seen the thing and thought I'd just overreacted to an alligator. But I know that it wasn't. Alligators don't stand on two feet and they don't attack with their claws. I don't know if it's a species of animal that hasn't been encountered yet or a weird human-alligator hybrid. But whatever it is, it probably shouldn't exist. When I was still in elementary school, me and my family used to spend all summer at my great-uncle's house. 
Me and my family slept in the same room, except for my sister, who'd sleep on a bed in the living room, and my great-uncle, who'd sleep in his own room. That one was a pretty normal day. We went to the beach. We ate some pizza, and then, at around 10 p.m., we all went to sleep. At around 4 a.m., I suddenly woke up because someone was throwing things around in the kitchen. Plastic cups, containers, food, etc. The door was open, so I was able to see the light coming from the kitchen. So when I had enough of all that noise, I got up from the bed. At first, something seemed off. I thought I was having some sort of strange dream, and as any rational kid would do, I tried to see if I could bend fire. Who wouldn't want a fire bend, right? I couldn't. I wasn't dreaming. My father wasn't in his bed, but I didn't care much since maybe he was just in the bathroom. My great uncle was fairly old and had trouble sleeping at night, so I thought he just went into the kitchen to get some water. Uncle, uncle, are you all right? All this noise woke me up, I said while my... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Making my way to the kitchen. To my surprise, the room was empty. But the light was on and the fridge was open with a can of Coke laying in front of it. What? I thought. I looked up to the shelf that was to my right, and I saw what was making that noise, some sort of short creature around 30 centimeter tall. A gnome, you'd say, was looking at me, terrified. He was terrified because I saw him. I thought to myself, he's going to hurt me. Better if I fake to faint. And so I did. After a couple of seconds, I opened my eyes, and I saw that I wasn't on the kitchen floor anymore. I was in a strange, colorful tunnel. I got scared again and closed my eyes one more time. After a minute that felt like eternity, I reopened them, and I was laying in my bed. There were still sounds coming from the kitchen, but I was scared and just waited for them to stop. And before sunrise, they did. That wasn't the only encounter I had with that dude, but I never saw it again. I'd only hear him because I was, and am, too scared to see him again. I don't know what he was doing exactly, but... I'm sure I wasn't supposed to see him. I know it sounds crazy, but feel free to ask me anything about this. 
My neighbor's friend, who lives far, far up Rocky Point Road, came over to my neighbor's house the other day, all shooken up. My neighbor's son was the one that told me this story. Apparently, my neighbor's friend was driving down Rocky Point Road sometime that morning. I got the impression that it was early in the morning, and a ape-like person, only four or five feet tall, ran across the road, ran across the road, and then guessing on two feet, and then grabbed the top of the bank on one side of the road and pulled the rest of its body up and swung his legs under his arms and pushed itself into a run, and it ran off into the woods. I didn't get a very good description of what he thought it looked like, except that it was about four or five feet tall and had long arms. My neighbor told me that a few other people who live up there have seen the exact same thing. My neighbor, I'm not sure how long ago, also saw this thing which he described was around four feet tall and had an light from the movie. Monkey face with long arms and short legs, I think he might have said it was black or brownish, but I'm not sure. He saw it about 500 feet from where his friend saw it. I am planning on going up there with a friend or two and just hanging out with a camera in hopes of catching evidence of it or just finding out what it is. I think this is something definitely worthy of a small investigation, even though it doesn't sound like the normal eight, ten-foot-tall Bigfoot sighting. You should talk to my neighbor on the phone, at least, and get some other people's numbers who might have more information. My girlfriend and I are renting a cabin in West Virginia. On Thursday... A nasty ice storm came through and knocked out the power. It has been out ever since. The whole county is dark and will be for a while. The animals are acting bold. Last night, my girlfriend and I walked out to the end of the long driveway to get something out of the car. Her dog started staring at the edge of the field and went towards it. He is young, and so he gets distracted and does sometimes wander. He doesn't run away but you will look up and see him behind the house or something. Anyway, my girlfriend runs to him and starts to bring him back when I spot something at the edge of the field. It's what the dog was looking at. I see it run across the road and into the field. It was very low to the ground and pale in color. It's too fast and dark to make out what it is. I assume it's a coyote, so I call out to her. Hey, there's something over there. Get back here, and she walks back over to me by the car. From there, we hold the light and shine it over that direction. I see its eyes looking at us. Then I see more sets of eyes, probably about seven in total. They're shifting up and below the hill in the field, hiding and peeking out to see us. At this point, we still think it's coyotes. So I keep the light on them while she gets what she needs from the car. The thing is, I kept my light and my eyes on them the whole time, and they seemed to stand up. Suddenly their eye shine would rise up as if they stood up on their back legs. Their eyes went from about one, two feet off the ground to easily five, six feet. I did not mention this to her, and I just said, Coyudes, let's go inside. Throughout the night, we would have to go outside to put gas in the generator, as the power was still off. She held the flashlight, and I filled up the generator. She is shining the light around, keeping an eye out for anything, as well as keeping the dog with us. She spots two sets of eyes about 100 yards away at the bottom of the big hill that the house sits on. She says something's down there. I say coyotes are deer. 
She says whatever it is, it just doubled in size. And sure enough, I look, and these things are rising up and back down like the ones earlier. We have coyotes here. Everything about these events screams coyote to me. But I cannot fathom how they stood up like that. I saw it run across the road. And though I did not get a good look at it, it was not a deer. It was fast and low to the ground. It did not bound and jump like the deer do. I've been thinking about it all day. Like it had to be a coyote, but then how did it get so tall? I've always wondered what exactly it was that I saw. Some may call it ball lightning, but I think that classification really takes away from the phenomenon at hand. This thing knew what it was doing. One late summer night, I think this was back in 2001, my friend was staying the night at my house and we went out for a walk. He was 14 and, and I was 16. At the time, I lived on the family farm in rural southern Maryland. There was a large, relatively circular path that circumscribed the westernmost parcel of land that connected the four homes on the property. Most of the path was laden with large gravel rocks, but the northern quadrant of this path was an old paved driveway that ran from my mobile home, past the barn, into the rural country road that marked the western edge of the farm. The path from my home to the road was about 500 feet, I'm guessing. I'm sure that's all very confusing, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'll post a link to some aerial photos below to illustrate what I'm describing. Anyway, back then I'd usually walk our beagles around the farm at night, at my mother's request, so I had no fears of wandering around at night. When my friend came over, it was fun to break up our red faction kill stakes with strolls around the farm. It was very dark out in the country, and with all of the open space, the night sky was a canopy of stars. Couple that with the warm summer air and nighttime excursions were irresistible. Again, anyway, we headed out. My terrier, Mitzi, followed along with us. She was always at my heels and didn't need a leash like the beagles did. My friend and I started walking along the paved driveway and had intended to complete the circular path in a counterclockwise direction. We made it nearly to the road, just passing my great-uncle's. He owned the farm house on our right with my great aunt's house to our left. The path shot off to the left along my aunt's dirt driveway and wood connected to the gravel path further along. But something caught my eye. Another one of my great aunts lived across the country road directly adjacent from my uncle's house. The photos will help, but her house wasn't on farm property, though there was an open field on her side of the road. Behind her house was a wall of trees and the deep woods beyond. The woods were everywhere out there, but my farm was mostly open land. Back to something caught my eye. What I saw was a light coming out from the woods behind my aunt's house. The road was quiet. Everything was quiet. I watched this light come closer, and I don't know why the first thing I thought it could be was a white rabbit but I was trying to make sense of something that was about to get stranger. As the light crossed the road and approached closer, I could see that it was a floating ball of light, about the size of a basketball, floating about three feet off the ground. 
I'm not sure when I nudged my friend to get his attention, but we were both watching as the light avoided and maneuvered around the few tall pine trees my uncle had in his front yard. One thing I noticed about the light was that it was bright and white, but it didn't seem to cast any light on its surroundings. I don't remember if one of us moved or said something, but the light noticed us and stopped. It sat still for a few seconds, and so did we. We just watched it, and we were about thirty feet from it. Eventually, my dog noticed it too, as she was sniffing around somewhere else up until then. She started yapping and ran right at the sphere of light. At that point, the light sped off very fast back in the direction it had come from, right back into the woods with my dog trailing behind. Mitzi was a fast dog, but she couldn't keep up. We watched her follow it into the woods, though. My friend and I just looked at each other, probably said a few expletives, and ran back to my house and into my room. My dog lost her quarry as she was back on our heels by the time we reached my yard. The experience was more bewildering than scary, but the adrenaline rush of seeing something like that had us wired, and I kind of wanted to be scared. So we were just staring out my window, which faced the end of the driveway, for the rest of the night. I'm still not sure what it was, but that ball of light exhibited an intelligence, an active awareness of its surroundings, and perhaps fear, which prompted it to flee. I've been a park ranger for over a decade, and in that time, I've seen some incredible things. But nothing could have prepared me for the truth about what was really happening in the national park where I work. It all started when I noticed that there had been an unusually high number of disappearances in the park. Hikers, campers, and even other park rangers had vanished without a trace, and despite our best efforts, we couldn't find any clues as to what had happened to them. That's when I started to notice something strange. My supervisor and some of my colleagues seemed to be hiding something from me. They would speak in hushed tones when I was around, and I could sense that they were holding back information from me. Finally, I confronted my supervisor, demanding to know what was really going on in the park. That's when he revealed the truth. There were unknown predators in the park, creatures that were preying on hikers and campers and even other park rangers. I was shocked and horrified by this revelation, but what really terrified me was the fact that my colleagues had been keeping this information from me. How long had they known about these creatures? And why hadn't they done more to warn people or protect them from harm? I knew that I couldn't keep this information to myself. I went to the media and shared the truth about what was really happening in the park. But instead of being praised for my bravery, I was fired from my job as a park ranger. Now I'm on the run, pursued by the very people I used to work alongside. But I won't stop until the truth about the unknown predators in the park is exposed. I know that it's dangerous and that these creatures could come after me at any moment. But I won't rest until justice is served and the innocent people who have vanished in the park are given the answers they deserve. When I was out on a walk in the woods close to my house, I did hear some strange noise from the woods. When I looked, I saw an about 2.5 meters high creature standing on two legs like a human, but the body were covered with fur and had a head like a dog. 
I directly started to run and did not stop until I was safe at home. When I ran, I did hear that the creature was following me, but it stopped after a few hundred meters. I've been a park ranger for years, but I've never been so lost in the woods before. It was already dark and my radio wasn't working. I tried to follow my footsteps back, but somehow I got even more lost. I heard something moving in the bushes, but I couldn't tell what it was. Suddenly I heard a loud growl and something jumped at me from the darkness. It was huge and its eyes glowed in the darkness. I tried to fight it off, but I was no match for its strength. It clawed at me, ripping my clothes and skin apart. I managed to break free and ran as fast as I could. The creature followed, its heavy footsteps echoing through the forest. I could feel it getting closer and closer, but I didn't stop until I finally saw the light of the ranger station. I slammed the door behind me, panting and bleeding. My colleagues looked at me in shock, but I couldn't speak. I could only point to the wounds on my body and the torn clothes. 